Hello, and welcome to another episode of Emma and Rebecca Talk IP, the series where we spend a few minutes each week or so taking a look at something that has caught our attention in the world of intellectual property and trying to unravel what's really going on. I'm Emma Isles. And I'm Rebecca Gay. Today, we're going to have a look at some of the trends we're seeing in relation to greenwashing in the advertising and promotion of products to consumers. Emma, I think most people will have heard of greenwashing, but how would you explain it? Well, uh, greenwashing starts with green claims. And in the context of product advertising and promotion, a green claim is a claim that a product has an impact on the environment in some way. It could be a claim that the product has an environmental benefit or that a product is not harmful to the environment. So to give some examples of the form that these types of claims take, it could be a claim that a product is sustainably sourced, has a particular carbon footprint or is carbon neutral, or that the product's packaging is recyclable or compostable. Greenwashing is when claims of that type are made, but they aren't actually true or they can't be verified. And it's undeniable, I think, that there's an increasing trend in the consumer sector to promote products using green claims. And that means an increased risk of greenwashing tactics. Everything from fashion brands to food and beverages and cosmetics are featuring green messaging to consumers these days. A marketing response that perhaps reflects consumer sentiment, do you think, Rebecca? Yes, absolutely. It really is an outward recognition by businesses that climate change and sustainability are driving consumer choices more and more. And as marketing teams are picking up on this, so are regulators. In fact, globally, there's increasing scrutiny of greenwashing by regulators. In Australia, uh, our C announced in March this year that environmental claims and sustainability would be one of their enforcement priorities for 2022-23. And just a week or so ago, uh, at a conference hosted by the AFR, the C reinforced, reinforced that it considers greenwashing has the potential to both distort competition and erode consumer confidence. So as a result, the C has flagged that it's going to be looking to be very proactive by identifying so-called problem sectors and looking for the very best cases to bring. Our other corporate regulator, ASIC, has also said it's concerned about greenwashing, uh, but it has indicated that for the time being, it's in education mode rather than enforcement mode. And if anything, the Australian regulators are a bit behind some of their foreign counterparts on that topic. In the UK, for example, the Competition and Markets Authority, or CMA, published a consumer law guidance on making environmental claims on goods and services in September of last year. That followed an investigation and consultation process where the CMA coordinated a global review of 500 randomly selected websites that promoted products and services across a range of sectors. That review found that four in 10 ads appeared to be using tactics that could be considered misleading and in breach of the consumer law. That really is a remarkable statistic. Um, Also in the UK, uh, the UK's Advertising Standards Authority, or ASA, has also been very active. uh, And its sister organisation, the Committee of Advertising Practice, uh, has published, published a dedicated advertising guidance to help industry ensure that their ads don't mislead consumers or contain socially irresponsible messages about environmental issues. Actually, in the last few years, the ASA has actively banned quite a few advertising campaigns, which it has concluded contain misleading environmental claims. So that's included uh, a campaign by Ryanair, 
uh, for misleading statements about emissions, a campaign by Swedish company Oatly, which produces plant-based dairy alternatives for overstated green claims, and a campaign by beverage company Innocent, which is owned by Coca-Cola, that was found to include misleading representations about the positive environmental impact of the company's drinks, which could not be substantiated. The same focus can also be seen in the EU. In 2021, the European Commission released a guidance on the interpretation and application of the Unfair Commercial Practices Directive to environmental claims. The Commission also launched a new consumer agenda. One of the aims of that agenda is to empower consumers to play an active role in the green transition. To help achieve that, the Commission is proposing to update the EU consumer rules to ensure that consumers can take, make more informed and environmentally friendly choices when buying their products. And of course, the US is not being left out. The US Federal Trade Commission announced last year that it would publish revised green guides in 2022 to help businesses avoid violations of the FTC Act based on misleading environmental claims to consumers. And that will be the first revision of those guides since 2012. Uh, back in Australia, the ACCC has its own guide on green marketing and a bit like the US guide, it's getting a little bit old as well, having been published in 2011. Uh, despite that, on the whole, the principles in the ACCC's green marketing guide are quite consistent with the principles which are contained in the more recent guides coming out of Europe and the UK. So critical themes across all of the guides include a need to be clear, unambiguous, and specific green claims rather than using broad, sweeping, vague claims like eco-friendly or green, uh, and uh, also to ensure that claims take into account the full life cycle of a product uh, and, importantly, can be substantiated with clear and robust evidence. And I think while those general principles remain as relevant now as they were 10 years or so ago when the ACCC published them, what has changed is the level of sophistication of consumers, which is increasing really at quite rapid rate, which means that companies will likely get away with a lot less these days than when it comes to making green claims. That's something which I think can be illustrated by considering a case that the ACCC brought against Woolworths uh, in 2018, which is not that long ago, but we'll see whether we think the outcome today might have been different. Yeah, I think it possibly could have, Rebecca. So, in that particular case, the ACCC commenced proceedings against Woolworths, alleging that uh, representations made on the packaging of disposable crockery and cutlery products, that the products were biodegradable and compostable, were misleading and deceptive. The products in question were sold under the label Select Eco. Uh, the products were made from non-toxic organic materials that, upon decomposition in an appropriately managed environment, could be used as a soil additive. The ACCC contended that these were representations that the products would biodegrade and compost within a reasonable time when suitably disposed of, either using domestic composting or conventional landfill. The ACCC argued that these were representations as to future matters that Woolworths had no reasonable grounds to make. The court, however, didn't agree with that and found that all that Woolworths had represented was that the products were capable of biodegrading and capable of being composted. Those representations concerned inherent characteristics of the products in question, and so the court considered them not to be misleading and deceptive. But I think if we um, 
look at this in light of the recent UK and European guides, I think those regulators would be unlikely to accept an unqualified claim that something is biodegradable and compostable when that's only the case in certain circumstances. I also think that use of a brand name like Select Eco is something that could only be used if across its full life cycle, products sold under that brand name were environmentally beneficial or at least not harmful. I agree with that assessment, Emma. So I think it'll be quite interesting to see whether the ACCC uh, has another go at prosecuting a company that's making these sorts of absolute claims or whether it might steer clear of them for a little bit, given that the, the decision from the court is not that old. But of course, it's not just the ACCC that businesses need to consider. There have been quite a few cases, both in Australia and overseas, where activist and environmental groups have taken action against businesses in relation to environmental claims, which they say are misleading. And of course, under the Australian law, actions for misleading and deceptive conduct can essentially be initiated by anyone. So that might be a consumer, a competitor, an activist organisation or the ACCC. Um, so there is the potential um, and indeed in the competitive environment of consumer goods, it seems quite likely for consumers to also be scrutinising each other's claims and possibly taking action where they think a green claim is um, misleading or giving their competitor an unfair and unjustified advantage. Emma, one thing we haven't talked about yet is the Ad Standards Organisation in Australia. Do you think we can expect that organisation to be taking similar action to the ASA in the UK? I think the very simple and straightforward answer to that, Rebecca, is absolutely not. <laughs> um, the ASA in the UK has broad powers to regulate the content of advertisements, sales promotions and direct marketing. And that's further strengthened by all UK broadcasters being required to follow ASA rulings and the UK Code of Broadcast Advertising as part of their licence conditions. In Australia, on the other hand, the advertising and marketing communications industry is self-regulated and managed through a body called Ad Standards. Advertisers are expected to adhere to a code of ethics and various other advertising codes, including a specific code on environmental claims as part of those standards. Complaints regarding advertising are usually determined by a community panel or industry jury, depending on the complaint. However, even when it's found that there's been a breach of a code, the advertiser is only informed of that decision and requested to remove or amend the offending advertisement as soon as possible. There's no requirement to remove the offending material, nor is there a requirement for Australian broadcasters to follow the decision. So perhaps a bit of a toothless tiger, really. Although, having said that, I don't think you can underestimate the potential reputational issues for a business in having complaints made about ads and a negative finding. Yes, that's right, Emma. I think it, there's, there's both a legal and a reputational risk that very much comes into this. And there's one other thing that I, I wanted to flag before we sign off, which is that um, the risk of class actions for misleading green claims are also an increasing possibility for businesses. We've actually seen that very recently in the US with a company called Bondi Sands, who are an Australian sun care and cosmetics business who are facing a class action over there for alleged greenwashing claims to consumers that their sunscreens are safe for the environment and specifically labelled and marketed as reef friendly. So if you needed one, uh, there's yet another reason that the consumer sector needs to tread quite carefully when making green claims. And I think it's safe to say that we can expect to see lots of activity in this area in the future. 
But for now, thanks everyone for joining us on Emma and Rebecca Talk IP. Until next time. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Herbert Smith Freehills. For more episodes, please go to our channel on iTunes or SoundCloud and visit our website herbertsmithfreehills.com for more insights relevant to your business.